Good to see everybody here this morning. It's been an emotional week, maybe a rough week, but it's better to be here in the house of the Lord so that we can put our minds back on Him and not on the selfish things. So let's do that this morning. Uh, we're going to sing, 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 sing. We're going to sing, 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 sing. Sing, sing, sing. That song, yeah. Anyway. Well, she have drum support, too.
change and quicken your spirits this morning. Amen? Amen. Let's go to him in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity we have to gather in your house. I thank you that we have been called to come together to, to not forsake the assembly so that we can, in one accord, lift up our voices and sing, sing, sing our hearts unto you. For God, if it wasn't for you, we would not have anything to sing about. But because of you, we can go through that our lives knowing that even in the hard times, you're still there. That because of that Christ child that we're celebrating this Christmas season, we have an opportunity to accept you and move into your glory. So God, I pray, if someone here today has not done that, if there's someone here today that has not forsaken their old selves and allowed you to come in and wash them anew, may they, may they make that choice and that decision today. God, I understand it's not about saying a prayer. It's about giving you our hearts. I pray that everyone here to this day has done that. And may we give you all praise, honor, and glory for what you're going to do here. In Jesus' holy name. And everybody says? Amen. 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 It's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. Tell them you're glad they didn't have to bring the boat this morning.
Nobody's listening. I, I could tell. Can you hear me? Oh, my mic's not on? It says it's on. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, no. Testing, one, two, three. It says it's on up here. You got it now? Okay, there we are. There we are. Okay, now y'all can hear me. So you missed all the good jokes, but that's okay because they were about y'all anyway, so we're good. <laughs> all right. Just a few announcements this morning, and then Bob will come up and share with us. And we got a, a special that we're going to get to listen to this morning as well. Uh, the announcements, I guess, uh, we are in a season, we're in a time of the year when there's joy and peace, and we're praise, praising God for His birth. However, that does not mean that the enemy does not still attack, nor does that not mean that there's still trials that people are going through. I say that for this reason. We had a, a great service here yesterday for the Corrigan family, the Church was filled to the brim, had people listening by radio. Uh, we, we, it was a great day. Uh, we, we just turned them back down just a little bit, brother. I see you fanning yourself. I know, uh, uh, there was a lot who were saying they were warm, and I had some earlier saying they were cold. So, you know, you got to just kind of work, work that in the middle. You're just right? If Rod's just right, I'm scared. But we'll go ahead. But the Corrigans, I would submit to you this morning to please continue to lift them in prayer. They have a lot of family down. They have a lot of friends down. And praise the Lord that they have these folks surrounding them. But the greatest thing is they have the Lord. And we have the Lord. And he is not only God here, he is God there. And we can lift him up and, and God will work there just as if they were here with amongst us. So we continue to lift up their family. And also, too, uh, Annette Sweeney, she's been on your prayer list. MJ's do- uh, sister, uh, uh, Je- Jesse May, and, and, and uh, uh, Joe Wesley's daughter passed away yesterday morning. If you if you know them, you might want to go by there and just give them your condolences and or the best thing, just continue to lift them in prayer. Annette now stands in the presence of her Lord. When I went and visited her in the hospital the last time, she you know she made sure to. Let me know that she knew her Lord and that that's where she was going to be going. Praise God. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with, present with the Lord, Paul tells us. So she stands in the presence of her Lord, but that does not mean that Mary Joyce and, and all them, that family does not need our prayers as well. So continue to pray for the, the, the family of Miss Annette and also continue to pray for the family, the Corrigan family, in this t- t- time of uh, heartache and trial in their life. 
That being said, there's just one more announcement I want to grab a hold of. If you look at the bottom of your bulletin, you see a list of great things coming up, things where we can gather together. But the December 10th, that's next Saturday. Next Saturday is the children's Christmas party. And I'm going to ask you to please get with Miss Julie if you plan on bringing your kids so she has a a valid head count. It's kind of like an RSVP. Let her know who's coming so she can get everything organized and vehicles organized and and everything like that. This has been a rather tumultuous week and month, and she just needs that heads up. So if you plan on your kids, your grandkids coming, please get with Miss Julie and let her know that. All right. Last but not least, I was going to announce as well, this evening's class, uh, we're at 6, we, we finished Third John, Second and Third John last week. Tonight we're going to be starting the book of Joel. As I've said before, after the first of the year, not pinpointing a date yet, because it kind of depends on how the holidays fall, we will be starting our Revelation class. That's going to be over a year-long class, I am almost guarantee you. Uh, the last time I taught it, it took a, a, like a year and almost, almost a year and a half uh, to get through it. it is, but when we do so, I don't want to get caught up in all the silly metaphors that, that so many people have tried to put out there. We need to let Scripture be Scripture and let God work with that. But that being said, we're going to start the book of Joel this evening, who was the first prophetical teacher of the end times. The, the word there is eschatological. But the, he was the first that came up with the prophecies of the end times. So we're going to be starting with the book of Joel, which starts out in chapter 1 with a prophecy that so many people, some which are modern day even, uh, right here in San Antonio, have twisted into weird pictures that does not need to be there. So I want to encourage you to come. Six o'clock this evening, we'll be starting the book of Joel, and we'll have a good time working through that. It's a short book. We may get through it in December. I'm not absolutely positive, but we will uh, do it as we go. And if you have not been to one of our Sunday evening classes, that's expository teaching, in other words, verse by verse by verse, so that we understand it verse by verse by verse. So I want to encourage you to come, and if you ever wondered about the book of Joel, we're going to start that this evening. All right, Brother Bob, got our scripture reading this morning. Come on down. (laughs) Father God, I just lift up my brother to you, and I thank you for his willingness and his his diligence to come and open the word, Lord God. He's got things going on in his own life, some of them maybe exciting things. I just pray that you just, just work with him, this young man that's willing to open your word to others, and bless your name. May you continue to bless him. Father, just bless his family and just thank you for allowing us to hear you through him this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, man. All right. So, this is my last scheduled scripture reading. So, with that, I wanted to remind us all of something that I was reminded of this week. So, with that being said, I'd like to ask a question. Chris, are you positive? Uh, I need more <laughs> Good answer. Dustin, are you positive? Stormy, are you positive? <laughs> He's nodding for those. <laughs> Okay, so why am I asking this? This is kind of 
when you hear it traditionally, it's kind of a follow-up question to are you sure? Are you sure? Are you positive that you're sure? Let's take this a different direction, though. Are you positive? Let's not look at it as are you sure, but think of it as an attitude. Are you positive? Things come about in life that we can't control. A lot of it, there are definitely, undeniably, bad things that happen to us in our lives. Things that we can't control, things that we question why they happen to us. And the thing about it is, in human nature, it's very easy and it's very natural for us to question why something happens and why God would allow something to happen. The problem isn't when we ask why. The question is when we get or the problem is when we get caught up in why, when we spend all of our time on it. The thing is, a lot of our problems aren't those problems. They do happen, but a lot of them are just from us in our own attitudes and how we see events that happen in our lives, the day-to-day events that are inconveniences rather than the big problems. So when I ask, are you positive, I'm looking at it more as an attitude. How are you looking at things in your life? Are you positive or are you looking at them negatively? If you'll flip with me, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 12 through 17. It says, Therefore, God's chosen ones, holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, accepting one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Above all, put on love, the perfect bond bond of unity, and let the peace of the Messiah, to which you were also called in one body, control your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we just had Thanksgiving, and that's a very easy time of the year for us to be thankful but my my reminder was don't let it just be thanksgiving to be positive and look at the inconveniences in life as potential positive things in your life let that be a year-round thing always be positive don't just it's easy to not be sure and that's natural but be positive let's pray God, thank you for today, and thank you for all the little things you give us in life and all the things you've blessed us with. We just thank you for the time that you give us with each other and the time that you give us on this earth. We ask you, Lord, to just be with us as we go through our time and just to help give us a spirit of positiveness and just to be positive in life and be an example to others for you. In Jesus' name, amen. with uh, Joyce and Mark coming and, and presenting the real meaning of Christmas. And so they were here and shared that with us. We had a great time. 
I just asked her if she would mind singing a special for us this afternoon as well, and she agreed. So Joyce is going to come up and sing for us a, a song too. Can I pray with you, sis? Father God, I again lift up my sister to you, and thank you for her and her husband's work here already this morning. May you just bless her heart now as she, she comes and shares her voice with us, worshiping you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Bob, that was wonderful, by the way. Um, as a military family, we, um, uh, you know, we celebrate the holidays, whatever day is available. We had a happy birthday, Merry Christmas, Thanksgiving last week. And I was trying to tell my daughter-in-law, Thanksgiving is an attitude, not a Thursday. So, you know, it really, it's, being positive really is important. And thank you all for inviting us here today. Am I on? Sorry, I'm so used to being down here. I'm loud. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Amen. It's not all about the manger where that baby lay. It's not all about the angels that sang for him that day. It's not all about the shepherds or the bright and shining star. It's not all about the wise men who traveled from afar. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. It's not all about the presence underneath the tree. It's not all about the feeling that this season brings to me. It's not all about the coming home to be with those you love. It's not all about the beauty of that snow you're dreaming of. It's about the cross. It's about my sin. It's about how Jesus came to be born once so that we could be born again. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. The beginning of the story is wonderful and great But it's the ending that can save us And that's why we celebrate It's about the cross It's about my sin It's about how Jesus came to be born once So that we could be born again It's about God's Son Nailed to a tree 
It's about how every drop of blood that flowed from him when it should have been me. It's about the stone that was rolled away so that you and I could have real life someday. So that you and I could have real life someday. It's about the cross. It's about the cross. Amen. Merry Christmas. everybody agree that you've heard some truth this morning? <laughs> Amen. Good. That means now we can worship. That's right. Worship comes after hearing the truth. Step down into darkness Open my eyes, let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life stand with you Here I am to bow down Here I am to say that You're my God You're altogether loving Altogether worthy Altogether wonderful to me King of all days Oh, so highly exalted, glorious in heaven above. Hungry you came to the earth you created, all full of sin became Altogether worthy, altogether wonderful to me. Here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, all. 
you know, sometimes there's a theme to the song that I pick out. You know, for all of the songs that I pick, they all kind of go together. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes I just pick the songs because they, you know, sound good. I feel like I'm being led to sing them. And then when I'm up here, I'm looking at the songs, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they go together anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I taste it and see of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is
this morning. Give God the glory. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And you know, I want to take a second too to throw an accolade out there. She didn't doesn't do it for that, but I, I really want to uh, uh, say thank you to Morgan. If you didn't know, Morgan does our sound. There's, there's quite a few that does our sound up there, but Morgan this weekend we had a lot to do with the services yesterday, and Morgan came up early and helped, then cleaned up, and then this morning got here early again to clean up again after the other. And the ladies that did the fellowship hall and everything as well, I just, uh, uh, sometimes it's an unsung job, so I just want to say thank you to Morgan for helping me so much too. And there's a lot of people that worked and helped this weekend. I just, uh, I worked with Morgan quite a bit this weekend, and she gave up her time and everything to come and and help the old guy out. Amen? Praise the Lord. Anyway, turn to Matthew chapter 2 this morning. I shared with my Sunday school class, I'll share with you guys as well, there's good news and bad news. The good news is, I feel as though that the Lord's, this is just a, a fairly short and simple message this morning. The bad news is, Dallas is not playing today, so it's wasted on you. You don't get to go home and watch the Dallas game anyway. I don't really foresee anybody run, run into the Packers game, but... <laughs> we love you anyway, though. 
Actually, they actually played a pretty good game last week. First one this season, I think. But anyway, or is it this century? I'm not sure. But anyway. <laughs> they still have a team. Can you believe it? Well, they call themselves a team. But anyway. Mwah. I love you, Mary. Anyway. Actually, it's okay. Mary said, as of this season, she's officially a Texas Dallas Cowboys fan. So, so. <laughs> anyway. The question this morning, the sermon this morning revolves around a, a rather simple question. What was the wise men's greatest act? What was their greatest act? What cemented them into the annals of history, if you will? I took two semesters of astronomy when I was in college, and, and I have to say that I found it to be incredibly interesting. It, it, it was a very fascinating subject, a lot of math. If you don't like math, that's not the, the avenue you want to pursue. It's physics and a lot, of, a lot of theoretical physics. There's a lot of math involved. But it still was an incredible class. And there are people today who, who have spent their entire lives studying the, the stars and the heavens, and they have made some incredible discoveries. So was it the wise men's diligent study of the heavens that's resulted in them, them discovering the Christmas star? Is this what made them great? Is this what has what been used, if you will, to be their greatest act? Let's think on that for just a minute. We know that they saw the star. We, we see it portrayed at Christmas time. We see the, the tapestries. We see the pictures. We see the cartoons. We see all these things. And these wise men, also known as magi, were probably not kings. Let's make sure we throw that out there. We, we sing about we three kings, but it, they, they were not kings more than likely. But they were of a priestly band of scholars. They were a priestly band of, of stargazers. But, that being said, we still don't know what that actual brilliant star was that the Magi saw. In 7 BC, there was a, a conjunction, if you will, of, of, of Saturn and Jupiter, which could have appeared to look like a new star. There, four years after that, Halley's Comet come flashing through. So maybe you know, that might have been the star that they were pursuing. It could have been a, a supernova that happened centuries earlier and exploded and, and the light finally arrived on our celestial heavens right there when the stargazers, the three magi, were looking. It could have been a supernatural star placed there by God himself to, to direct their pathway. It, there's so many different venues of, of what that star could be. We don't know exactly. We don't know what it was. Why? Because they didn't leave us any kind of scientific records. They didn't tell us that they followed it across the sky. They didn't say it had a tail. They didn't say exactly how it came to be. There was so much scientific annotation that could have been annotated at the time that was not. Therefore, I would submit to you that no, it wasn't their astronomical skills that, that etched these wise men into the tablets of history. It wasn't that they were great astronomers. So, you go back, you look at them, well then, what is it that got the three wise men to be... Uh, so prolific in our in our study. Why why were they mentioned in the scriptures? Was it their sacrifice in traveling so far? You know, the Magi hailed from Persia, which would be modern day Iran. Back in 1993, I was just reading about this this week. There was a, a, a they say 12 people, but they had an entourage with them. But they took that journey. They took the journey of of the Magi. And, and in fact, the the leader of the group, Robin Wainwright, he walked the entire way. The rest of them rode camels. But it was over a thousand miles 
that they, they were able to follow what the Magi would have been following. That's, a, that's an incredible feat. That's an incredible endeavor for these, these Magi to, to set out upon. That was a, a long haul, if you will. But imagine the conversation that they must have had. Can you imagine one of these Magi, they go home and say, um, dear, the boys at the observatory and I, we're going to go on a trip. Oh, yeah, well, where, where are you going? Well, we're not sure. We're just kind of following a star. Oh, um, is this one of those midlife crisis things? You know, uh, you're just going to follow a star? Yeah, honey, we kind of got this idea that we're going to follow the star because it might, you know, lead us to perhaps the birth of a great king. All righty then, uh, won't you paint the stable before you leave? You see, that the idea behind these guys setting out on this incredible journey of, this, of, of however many years, however many uh, uh, miles, they didn't know they were following a star. People would have looked at them and thought they were daft. You're going to chase a star. What would you think if I came in today and said, you know, guys, I think tonight we're going to go out and we're going to head out on a journey. We're just going to chase a star until we catch it. You would think I've gone loony. I bet I'd be the only one here tonight. That's what these guys are facing. They were, they were going to go out and they were going to chase this star. The Magi, praise their, praise the, bless their hearts and praise God, they, they got everything together. They loaded up the camels. They struck out, uncertain of where they were going, uncertain of where God was going to lead them. It's kind of like Abraham and Ur. They, they didn't know what was going to happen. They just knew they were going to follow this star. That took a lot of faith. It really did. There is no doubt that it took a lot of faith to head out just following a star. But again, despite their faith and despite their sacrifice, I would submit that that still is not the greatest act that they had done. A lot of faith there. But I would say there's even a greater thing. So what else did, what, what else could have cemented them into the annals of history? What could have been the greatest act that they had committed? Maybe it's when they confronted King Herod. If you remember, they go up to King Herod and said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Now that may not sound like much unless you know who King Herod is. King Herod was a half-Jewish puppet of, of the Romans. Insanely jealous. Insanely manipulative. Constantly plotting. Constantly doing things that, 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 that would, would scare most people. In the course of his reign, he murdered his wife. He murdered his mother-in-law. He had three of his children assassinated. And in fact, one of, the, one of the Roman emperors once remarked it was safer to be Herod's pig than one of his kinfolk. This guy was not a nice person. And yet here comes these wise men taking a, an incredibly huge chance coming up to him and insinuating that there is a new claimant to your throne. That, that could be scary business to walk up to Herod and say, Hey, where's this new king of the Jews? Can you, I, I can just picture every hair on his neck standing up, which we can read about what happens to the, the Jewish children after that. But we understand that the, 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 the Magi, they walked up and they did these things. They took a big chance. It was a, a scary thing. It, was, it took a lot of courage, I'm sure, to step up and ask this question. But was that their greatest act? Was their greatest act that they'd done, that solidified them in, in, in the annals of history. If it, was it astronomical skill? I don't believe so. Was it their faith in following a star for God? I don't think so. Was it their courage for standing up to, before Herod and asking him where the new king was? No, I don't believe so. I think their greatest act, the greatest thing they ever did, 
is in Matthew chapter 2. In chapter 2, one short verse, but it says a lot. Matthew 2, verse 11. Matthew 2, verse 11. It says this. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Think about that. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. They fell to their knees. Folks, imagine the most intellectual men of their day, the scientists and scholars. These were intellectual men, wise by worldly standards. We call them the wise men. As soon as they saw this baby in the arms of their Lord and Savior, and as soon as they saw this baby in the arms of Mary, they fell to their knees and they worshipped Him. The worldly wisdom did not matter any longer. All their science did not matter any longer. The greatest thing, the greatest act these men did was as soon as they laid eyes on the Messiah, they fell to their knees in worship. And then they offered Him gifts. And not last minute specials from the dollar store. This was, this was, this was choice items from the gleaming shelves of Neiman Marcus, if you will. They, they offered them gold. And being from Persia, it was probably in the form of, of rings and wedges. The things that was, would have been given to royalty. They fell to their knees and they gave Him royal gifts. Frankincense, an incredibly expensive aromatic gum that was that was drawn from Arabian trees, burned in the devotion of God. They looked, they fell, and as soon as they saw this baby, they fell to their knees, they worshipped him, they gave him gold to signify the royalty, they gave him frankincense that shows and signifies the deity of God, and then they give him myrrh, a fragrant spice that was used to embalm the dead. I believe foreshadowing that this infant king would one day be our crucified Lord. They knew. They knew. They saw this baby in the arms of, their mo- of his mother and they fell to their knees and they worshipped and they gave them gifts. You see, folks, the wise men's greatest act, the greatest thing they did was they worshipped him. They worshipped him. And that still is the highest form of, of, of a human expression that we should be giving the Lord this Christmas season. When it comes to the Christmas time of the year, we get so caught up in so many things that I'm afraid that sometimes we forget to worship Him. The greatest thing the Magi did, which was so, they traveled over a thousand miles. They followed a star on faith. They addressed the, 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 probably the nastiest, meanest king they could have. But the greatest thing they did was they fell to their knees in worship. And yet this Christmas season, it's so easy to get caught up in decorations. It's so easy to get caught up in gifts. We get so caught up in, in making the meals. But in reality, we should be about worshiping the King. That meal that we make, that gift that we give, the decorations that we hang, if we are not doing that in worship of the King, then it's no meaning to it. There's nothing there. Worship is devotion to something that is, that is bigger than ourselves, something that is external, something that is powerful, something that is trustworthy. That's what these men did. The wise men did. When they fell to their knees, they realized that this baby was greater than me. It was more than me. It was more powerful than I. That that baby was trustworthy. That this is whom I should put my faith. Not in my own understanding. Not in my knowledge. Not in my worldly wisdom. 
that child is going to be more than I can ever be. And it didn't say they contemplated amongst themselves falling to their knees. They fell. That's what we should do this Christmas, guys. And every day, actually, but especially at Christmas. If we're going to say that we're celebrating the birth of our Messiah, then we should celebrate it just like those wise men celebrated by hitting our knees. You know, the, the French author Antoine de Saint-Exupéry said that love, true love, does not consist at gazing one another, but two people gazing at the same thing. That's love. These wise men wasn't looking to one another for strength. They were gazing to the God, that star, until their eyes came upon that Christ child. And when their eyes hit that Christ child, they fell in one accord. They were looking outward together. They were, they, they were going in the same direction and they discovered God's sign of that newborn Messiah. They followed that sign. They came into the presence. They hoped together. They, they walked together. They asked this question, where is the king that shall be born king of the Jews? They did so together. They did not waver. They did not falter. They, they did not give up their search until they found that Christ child. Folks, I submit this to you this morning because I think we get... We'll read the Christmas story once or twice, maybe. Maybe. But then we let everything else pull us deviated. Pull this way and pull that way. We allow our, our mind to squirrel and start running. The greatest act that they did was they fell to their knees in worship. And we should do the same, guys. This Christmas season, we need to stop. Not allow this dinner or that sale not, not allow this ornament or that festival to interrupt our quest for Jesus. It should be a daily quest. But especially right now in the Christmas season, this is the opportunity that we have to reach the lost world more than any other. They're singing Christmas songs. And some of them don't even realize that Christ is in the beginning of that word. How much better would it be if we didn't get caught up in the, into the meals and the presents so much, but stop and say, wow, you know why we exchange these gifts? To remind us of the greatest gift of Christ. You know why we eat these feasts? To remind us of the blessings that we have only because of the love of Jesus Christ. If we will not get caught up in the, in the material things, but stay focused on Christ, if we will not deviate to this or that, but stay focused on Christ, then I would submit to you that we would be just like the Magi. You know what would happen? We'd fall to our knees and worship of the Messiah. That was their greatest act. And I would submit to you that the, our greatest act, can not, not who can cook the best turkey, it's not who can outspend the other, it's not whose credit card bills are the highest, who hits their knees and worships the king. Who, who truly says, Jesus, here I am. You see, it's not about the day. It's not about Christmas Day. It's not even about the season. It's about the king. It's about Jesus Christ. This Christmas season, I pray that you will commit yourselves, put it in your hearts and minds, to bow before Him. Christmas morning, it is a wonderful thing to see your children run to the tree. It's a wonderful thing to see your grandchildren run to the tree. Now this Christmas morning is on Sunday, so it's going to be a wonderful thing to see you run to the church. It's a great thing to see those things, but you know what the greatest gift of all is to be able to get on your knees and say, thank you, Jesus. Those wise men, they fell down and they bowed before that mama. 
I'm sure Joseph was in the background watching on too. But they bowed on their knees and they said, wow, here is gold. Here's frankincense. Here's myrrh. We need to draw strength from our, our fellow worshipers who are on the same journey of faith. If we see one, of the, one, if one or the other of us start straying away into too much materialism or something, we forget sight of, of who Christ is, we should pull each other back. We should focus and keep focus on Jesus Christ. We need to relinquish our, our worldly wisdom, our skills, our strengths, our goods. We need to relinquish all those things and yield them to, the, to, to him whose birth that was trumpeted by the angels, marked by that star, and visited by the most lowly of shepherds and the most high of wise men. We need to get back to the realization that Christmas is about worship. When we have our candlelight service, that's not just so we can have a routine thing. That candlelight signifies the light that burns within me because he chose to let it burn. And he said any man who has the light, would he hide it under the bushel? No. He would let it shine. As we hang our Christmas lights, I don't care if you outdo the Joneses. That's great. As long as you let the Joneses know why you're doing it. But if you're doing it just to outdo the Joneses, I hope all your breakers pop. It's about Christ. It's about Christ. So, the question this morning is very simple. I didn't tell you a story. I thought there was plenty in this message just from what I saw, what the Lord laid on my heart. And that is, will you worship Jesus this week? This, this, not just this week, this entire, the rest of your life. Will you make it about Jesus? Or are you going to keep on making it about the sales and the credit cards? Who has the prettiest nativity scene? I'm all about nativity scenes and lights. Christmas is my favorite time of the year. In fact, somebody told me just this week they don't like Christmas. I, I don't even trust you as a human. Now, I was being a little harsh, but I kind of meant it, too. <laughs> it's my favorite time of the year. I love the lights. I love the cold, if it ever actually gets here. Uh, somebody said it came. Not yet. When it hits the 30s and stays there, then we can be happy. <laughs> Move north. You sound like my wife. <laughs> Guys, are you willing to worship this morning? Are you willing to take this Christmas and put it back? into the hands of Christ. The world's done a great job of, of commercializing it. Are you willing to put it back into the hands of Christ? It was his birthday to begin with. And when the Magi came in, they didn't hang lights. They didn't go about trying to figure out how to make Mary's place the nicest on the block. The first thing on their mind was to drop to their knees and worship and give the gifts that they had. This morning, you may not have gold, you may not have frankincense, you may not have myrrh, but you have your life, your heart, your spirit. And God said that he desires that no one should perish, no, not one. You know what his great, the greatest gift that you can give to the Lord is? Your spirit. You can go to him and say, Father, forgive me my sins, forgive me my iniquities. I, I, I am... I am lost and I am doomed to a devil's hell. However, you said whomsoever believed that you were the Son of God and that you arose again on the third day. You said that if I would profess that with my mouth and believe it with my heart, so shall I be saved. If you're here this morning and you've never 
made that proclamation, and I'm not talking about to me or the church, I'm saying to Christ. If you've never truly lived, given your heart to Jesus Christ, I'm not saying you said a cute prayer at camp, or did you walk and said a prayer in here, I don't want to take away from those prayers, but you know whether or not you truly gave your heart to Jesus. If you haven't done that, then you really haven't celebrated Christmas you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the greatest gift to offer him that he would ever want, and that's yourself. Will you give him that gift today? And the great thing is, if you do so, he said he'll cherish it. He would be with you forever. That means that he's going to hold it dear to him. In fact, he said, not only that, I'm going to build a place in heaven to put it. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, not of this hands of this world, so that where I may be, so that you may be also. He's going to go and build a place for our spirit to reside. What an awesome promise. What an awesome gift. And it's for that reason, those of us that do know Jesus as our Lord and Savior should get on our knees and worship him. Chris made the comment a while ago, that you heard truth, now it's time to worship. When he said that, I was like, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You just segued right into my message. You've heard truth this morning. I can't worship for you. Chris can lead you. I can talk to you about worship. But only you can worship. And that's the decision you have to make today. Are you willing to worship? Are you willing to give it over to someone who is greater mightier, eternal. For if you are, be standing with open arms. It's your decision this day. I want us all to stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I don't need to go on and beat this into the ground. You know. You know whether you have spent your Christmases worshiping or you've spent your Christmases just beating the Joneses. Where are you this morning? Father God, I just come before you and just ask in the name of Jesus Christ that we will have the same strength that you gave those magi. If you tell us to walk a thousand miles, that we'll walk that thousand miles. But most of all, when we see you, we'll fall to our knees in worship. When we hear you, we'll fall to our knees in worship. And God, even more than that, when we can't see you and we don't, we don't hear you, that we fall to our knees in worship, knowing the promise says you would never leave us nor forsake us. For those are the times that you're probably carrying us. God, may your will be done in the hearts of your people. If there's someone here today that does not know you, may they make that decision before it's too late. And for those of us who do, may we worship you. Not a church, not a tree, not a nativity scene, not a song, not a season, not a day. But God, may we truly choose to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. As we sing this morning, I pray that you will think about that. Are you willing to worship? Or are you just going to continue on the same old, same old? It's your choice today. <laughs>